everybody, and on today's episode, we have the awesome Peter Valk, a gay celibate Christian whose full-time job for seven years now is teaching and training Christians to better serve and support gay celibate Christians. And he has a master's in clinical mental health counseling, if you were wondering. Today, we're actually gonna be talking about some really cool variety of different topics. We're gonna be talking about whether or not homosexuality is a sin, and if so, if it is a worse sin than other sins. We're gonna be talking about uh, conversion therapy, and also how to identify if you struggle with same-sex attraction as a Christian. Like, how would you identify yourself? So, just a little bit about myself. My name is Samuel Perez, and I am a former gay stripper. Yes, that's right, you heard that correctly. I left behind the homosexual lifestyle to walk with Christ, and this podcast is all about how I do it and why I do it, and to help others like me and educate those that maybe are not like me. (laughs) I wanna talk, but I really wanna talk about what a real life with Jesus looks like in 2021. And guys, nothing is off limits. I wanna be as transparent as I possibly can be. Before we get started, however, I do want to let everybody know that this podcast is completely free to listen to and we do accept donations. And we have some awesome rewards and gifts for those who wanna become patrons of the podcast. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts or Podbean, click on the description and you'll be finding a link to becoming a regular monthly, monthly commitment person thing. And we also have my website where you can find resources to give through PayPal, Venmo, or Cash App, SamuelAbrahamPerez.com. All right. So how are you, Peter? Doing well, Abraham, uh, and really glad to be here. <laughs> he called me by my middle name. Yeah. I love oh, that. Oh, Samuel. Sorry. What am I thinking? <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I like, I love my middle name, especially coming into Christ. Like it's, it means father and it's just like father of many nations or something like that. And I just think it has so much more meaning. Like before I would never like talk about my middle name. And then now it's like a part of like who I am. Like, I feel like it's a part of my identity now. So thank you for mentioning it. <laughs> it's a good one. Yeah. That those opening intros are always so hard to do. Um, but I'm so excited to <laughs> really get into all of these things that we're going to be talking about. I think that this, this podcast is going to be so informative um to so many people who follow and subscribe to this youtube i have like so many questions prepared um for you but before we get into those really deep diving questions i want to talk to you a little bit about your testimony can you tell me a little bit about who you are you know where you were raised and stuff like that yeah so i grew up in kind of culturally conservative rural east tennessee um in the 90s uh i'm a 90s baby uh and you know probably like some other people in the same time in in my community growing up people barely talked about gay people or homosexuality if they did it was a quick mention that like god hates gay people or god is against homosexuality and whenever i heard anyone like talking about gay people they 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 painted a picture a very particular picture every time that, that all gay people are going to group sex parties, they're all addicted to drugs, they all are addicted to alcohol, they all have AIDS and they all hate Jesus. Like that's, every time someone used the word gay in my community growing up, it was clear that's what they meant by it. Um, So, uh, you know, when I was uh, summer after my fourth grade, um, I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Um, and, And in many ways kind of just confirming the faith that my parents claimed for me at my uh, infant baptism. Um, And then in middle school, I started to realize that I was attracted to other dudes, um, that I was was gay, Um, which is confusing because I knew that I wasn't like these gay people as as kind of I heard it described popularly in culture, but yet I also could tell that my attractions to women and my attractions to men were different than than my peers. So so I assumed that, that it was because I had done something wrong. Um, you know, maybe if, if I, if I quit playing video games for six months, uh, then Jesus will make me straight. And I tried to make these deals with God. I prayed. Um, and any time that it, uh, time went by and God didn't seem to, to heal and remove my same sex attractions, well, then I try to make another deal. Okay. What if I make straight A's? What if I do everything my parents say? Um, you know, and over the next, like, honestly, decade, I probably prayed nightly that God would change my, my sexual orientation. They'd make me straight in all the typical ways. Um, I met with three different therapists who promised they could increase my heterosexuality. Um, I went to multiple 
kind of uh, uh, psychotherapeutic uh, weekend, weekend men's weekend, weekend retreats uh, that, that, that promised to help change my sexual orientation. Um, I even interned with uh, an ex-gay ministry uh, for, for nine months um, with a promise that there would be some kind of, kind of charismatic conversion there. And, and at the end of that 10 years, nothing changed about kind of the intensity of my attractions for, for dudes, you know, but my capacity to resist temptation, my capacity to say no to temptation, um, definitely changed, definitely increased. Um, so I guess that's a change of sorts, but gosh, I mean, in the middle of all of that praying and going to weekend retreats and meeting with therapists, I was just trying to figure out what does it mean to be gay and a Christian and a teenager, which is confusing enough in the nineties. Um, so, I mean, I was terrified people would find out my, my story and, and treat me poorly. I remember um, during high school, uh, you know, the whole gay marriage debate was big in politics when I was in high school, which, which dates me. Um, but we were debating, we were kind of doing, doing a mock debate about gay marriage in my history class and uh, fulfilling stereotypes. I was like the most ardently anti-gay marriage you know, maybe to throw people off from the fact that I was in the closet. Um, and so I was arguing vehemently against gay marriage. Uh, and then I, I remember to my terror, the girl that was sitting in the chair in front of me flipped around in her chair and she looked at me and with like disgust and like venom in her face and her eyes, she said to me, I bet you're secretly gay and you're just against gay marriage because you want anyone to know who you really are. <laughs> and she like pinned me a hundred percent. So I was terrified. Um, I mean, there are other times too where I was, uh, you know, particularly scared and 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 ashamed. I mean, uh, I was in the high school cross country team, and there was only one other guy, only one guy in our school who was out, who was openly gay at the time, and he was also on the cross country team. And uh, you know, we would always line up on the starting line uh, of for races and kind of do partner paired stretching. So I remember this was like the week after he had come out publicly, and he went from guy to guy on a cross country team, trying to find someone to help him stretch. And one after another, every one of the guys refused and they said, gross, I don't want to touch you and I don't want you touching me. Wow. And then, yeah, he got to me and I sheepishly refused as well. Like I, I dished out the same pain that I had spent many nights crying about. So that was pretty crappy. Um, but yeah, eventually like I, I really, I wanted people to know this was my story. I wanted people to know this part of my life. I didn't want to have to hide anymore. So, you know, first I like told my parents sophomore year of high school. Um, they didn't know how to help me any better than I knew how to help myself. But, you know, at least I wasn't alone anymore. Um, later in high school, I uh, was on one of these like uh, Christian youth retreats. And there was this kind of stereotypical Saturday night message where the pastor challenged us to go share with a leader our deepest, darkest secret and kind of free ourselves of that. And so I went and shared with my youth pastor my deepest, darkest secret, which is, hey, I'm attracted to dudes. I'm same-sex attracted. I'm gay. And, uh, and he kind of shared a couple of, like, Christian cliches and then, then sent me away. Hmm. Um, gosh, another, like, painful experience. In college, um, I was actually a part of this, like, campus ministry, this Christian ministry on, at, at school. And I, like, for four years, led Bible studies. I helped us do recruitment efforts. I, like, represented our ministry to the university. And, and I was given every reason to believe that if I wanted to go on staff with that ministry after I graduated, I could. And then during my senior year of college, without warning, I was told that I couldn't apply to go on staff with that ministry or that ministry at any other campus. And the only explanation they gave was, we don't know what to do with your same-sex attractions. Um, mm. And, uh, you know, and I mean, to be clear, like, I mean, throughout this time, I, I continued to be convinced of a traditional sexual ethic. I continued to be convinced that the gay sex and romance are, are, are sins in any context. So it's not like I had some boyfriend that I was running around on campus with, and that's why they said yeah. I couldn't. No, they knew I was gay. They knew I was committed to celibacy. They knew that I was doing my best to be faithful to that commitment. So it wasn't anything to do with my celibacy. It was just the fact that, ick, gay. They didn't want gay around them. Yeah. Um, which sucks. Yeah, um, and, so... and it's safe to say um, that you haven't had the most 
amazing experiences within the Christian community. And I think, you know, it's 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 kind of uh, relieving to hear that because I, for example, have also not had the best experiences when it came, when it comes to Christianity. Like I remember being rejected so many times um, at the church. And um, luckily for me, my relationship when I when it first began, um, when I when I would say I was really, really committed to the Lord or born again, <laughs> um, which was around four or five years ago, can't really remember. But um, I remember I had I, I didn't chase after the approval of people. My only intention was to chase after um, God. That's what I wanted. Like I wanted to leave behind my life. I wanted to leave behind um uh, the the goals that it set for myself the dreams the jobs and all these things so when i did hit those blocks of like the christians that just wanted to shun me or just wanted to push me away they didn't want to deal with the icky they didn't want to deal with the fact that oh my gosh same sex attraction like to me it was tough but at the same time i realized wait why am i doing this am i doing this for the approval of the church am i doing this for the approval of even other people which kind of sucks because they're you know supposed to be the body of christ they're supposed to be there for you um, but at the same time, I was like, no, I'm, I'm doing this for God. Uh, a really good question that I wrote down as you were sharing, do you think coming to Christ at such a young age, do you think um, that you were genuinely chasing God or that you were chasing after um, wanting to be part of uh, like um, uh, being straight, basically? Like since you had been told since you were like a very young boy, like this is the standard and you wanted to be accepted by not just God, but also people, do you genuinely feel looking back now that you made that decision um, for God? Like I'm gonna chase after God or you made the decision just like, I kind of want to feel approval from other people. Like, what would you say? Mm. Yeah, I mean, so uh, I think kind of the historic teaching of the church is that salvation is a process that begins with accepting Jesus as your personal Lord and savior in one way or another. Um, and then continues throughout our life of becoming more like Jesus and growing closer to God. And then ultimately, after we die, God, God finishes the work of making us a new creation. Um, and then we are perfectly reunited with God. Um, so, you know, I don't know if any of us, uh, when, we, when we get saved, are, are all the way there or really fully appreciate what we've committed to or what it means to be a Christ follower. But, yeah, I mean, I think my... My confession of faith in, in fourth grade was, was, was super genuine as much as a, a fourth grader can. Um, I'll say this. I've never felt a need since then to make an, any kind of new profession of faith. Um, I, I've never doubted whether or not, like, that was the moment. Um, but, yeah, I, in some ways I hadn't gone through puberty yet. And so I wasn't aware of the fact that anything would be different about me than anyone else. Um uh, but, but I also, I'd say I, I probably wasn't also aware of how much I was a sinner um, or how broken the world is and how much the world needed Jesus to come and to return. Um, so it's probably not until I went through puberty, I started realizing that everything about this world is broken, including my sexuality, that, gosh, I, I do the things that I don't want to do. I say the things that I don't want to say. I really need Jesus, too. And this world around me really needs Jesus. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, actually hearing your story and I, I love that you, you shared that testimony, especially um, with those who are listening, because it kind of gives people a, a backdrop to understanding, OK, this is why Peter is so empathetic with those who are struggling with same sex attraction, because it's kind of like um, I, I read in a book recently, like there is no test. At, well, there is no testimony without a test. And I think that's really interesting because like the things that we go through um, actually help us. Like the Lord is, the Lord didn't just allow Peter to go through all these things that were really hurtful to not for not to produce fruit. He allowed for you to go through that so that you can have a sense of understanding and empathy for individuals who have been just so rejected, so closed out of the church. And you are coming in here and um, doing things that may be um, evangelicals or conservative Christians, you know, people who are, um, dare I say, Bible thumpers, um, would be like, oh my God, rainbow colors? No, you know, like saying you're a gay Christian? Absolutely not, you know. Um, but a lot of what you're doing is actually coming from a root of love and understanding, oh, you know, 
God loves me and accepts me, and I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to be the Holy Spirit, which is some of what you mentioned actually on your own YouTube channel. But um, I wanted to ask you some questions and just get really into it right away. Um, since you already shared the testimony, the things that you went through, um, first off first, what is something that you right now deal with um, as a Christian in your life, like struggling with? Yeah, I'd say the biggest challenges right now, gosh, a long-term challenge has been, I, I, I mean, I'm a doubter. Like, uh, it's, it's, it's doubting whether God exists comes easily to me. And, and that's been true for, gosh, the past decade. So learning how to be faithful in the midst of doubt, um, definitely challenging. Um, and then, I mean, as I'm sure we'll talk about more, right? I'm gay and Christian, and I'm committed to a lifetime of abstinent singleness for the sake of kingdom work. Uh, and so I'm not going to find family in the typical way of kind of the wife and uh, kids in a in a single family home. And so well, that's really interesting. Let let's explore that. Why yeah, would you, for, for example, um, label yourself as a gay Christian instead of labeling yourself as an ex gay Christian? Or like, why is it that you've chosen that specific title for yourself? Yeah. Yeah, well, briefly, I'd say, I mean, I described earlier kind of my 10 years in the ex-gay movement, uh, Pray the Gay Away Therapy, ex-gay retreats, charismatic ex-gay ministry that I interned for, nightly prayer that God would change my sexual orientation. And for me, that 10 years was like really painful. Um, it, it, it was really kind of spiritually destructive for me. It, maybe it's not for everyone, um, but, you know, the science out there says that 96% of people who participate in sexual orientation change efforts don't experience any meaningful change in their sexual orientation. But what uh, sexual orientation change efforts are good at is doubling people's risk of suicidality. Um, so, so for me, kind of the phrase same-sex attraction, the word ex-gay, the phrase struggling with homosexuality are all kind of associated with that really painful phase of my life. Um, and around the time that I was starting to come to terms with that is also when some Christian or Christians around me who were same-sex attracted and committed to a traditional sexual ethic were starting to kind of call themselves gay celibate Christians or gay Christians committed to a traditional sexual ethic in a sense of kind of like trying to reclaim that term uh, from the gay community. Um, which also makes sense to me because like I do a lot of, of, of teaching with, with parents and pastors who are working with teens and kind of elementary school age kids. And when I ask a middle schooler or an elementary school age kid, hey, what does it mean to be gay? They don't assume anything about someone's theological convictions, anything about someone's sexual conduct. They just think that means a boy who likes boys, a girl who likes girls. So, I mean, that's, what I'm, that's how I'm using that word when I use that word gay. Boy who yeah. likes boys, girl who likes girls. Yeah, and that's really interesting because I think, um, so for example, uh, people who might be listening, um, people know I consider myself or I title myself as ex-gay. I don't even really like to identify myself in that way. I hate labels. I've always hated labels, even when I was in the gay lifestyle. Like, I, I just hated that gay was part of my whole identity like i was like i have so much more to offer like you know like i'm not just my sexuality um and even now too but it's really a, a kind of a lot of people associate gay christian with oh i'm i'm living openly a homosexual lifestyle um i'm giving into those uh desires those gay desires and um a lot of people associate ex-gay um christian with someone who has chosen to leave that behind or even associate them with um which is not the way that i would associate it but associate them with um some people who don't no longer experience same-sex attraction so um we had a conversation about this uh, privately which is interesting because it's kind of like it's like the 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 lesser of two evils or something i don't know if i'm saying that correctly yeah. but it's kind of like one is like first off when you say gay christian you actually just mean i am a christian who experiences same-sex attraction and yeah. when i say ex-gay i am saying the same thing um the only thing that i think there's a difference is that for example for me i'm i'm very big on my words and I also know that you've had like traumatic experiences with ex-gay and ministries and, you know, all those kind of things. 
Um, so I could see your perspective on that. Um, for me personally, and why I choose to identify um, as an ex-gay, for those who are wondering, listening, and why we're different, is because for me, I'm like, I don't want to at any point speak that over myself. Like, I think like words have such power. I even like, I hate sometimes even saying, oh yeah, I have same sex attraction. Cause I think, you know, just the, there's so much power and that can be, I guess, very charismatic of me um, <laughs> to just speak things. And so even when I say that, like, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, I'm an ex gay or I'm this and this and that. I'm just like, oh, these are just things that I just rather just would not be speaking over myself so if i were to call myself a gay christian it's almost like that would have a hold on me i would like be keeping that around um my identity um so for those of you who are listening that's it like peter feels differently he's like i want to be more empathetic which is what you were saying like i want people to um understand like uh, and be open to the fact that like oh we can reclaim this term it doesn't necessarily have to mean that I'm giving into my sexual desires. Um, just like you said, like, it just means, oh, you know, this, I experienced these attractions. Like a child would think, oh, you're gay. Yeah, you experience these attractions, but you're not giving into that. And then there's me on the other side of the spectrum where I'm like, oh, I rather label myself in this way if I have to label myself because I hate labels. But mm -hmm. um, anyways, that was a rundown and explanation for everybody. But um, also a, a, a thing um, to ask you as well is, you said briefly, I'll, I'll never have a family or um, or I don't I'm never going to live that like stereotypical uh, family uh, lifestyle. Do you believe that for you personally, like, um, do you believe that's something that God can do and offer to you? Like, do you believe that um, if he wanted to change your sexual orientation, would would he be able to? Or do you think like what do you think about that? Uh, I mean, sexual orientation change. I, I think God can do like whatever he wants. You know, he's got the power to do whatever he wants. Uh, you know, the consistent stories and anecdotes and data shows that it's, that's super infrequent that that's, that, 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 that is God's will, but he does it sometimes. I believe that. Um, I mean, for me, so while I'm not bisexual, I'm not generally attracted to women. I did date a couple of women in college and I was really transparent with them about my sexuality and in the process of dating them, I grew a specific desire for each of them. So when I graduated college, I knew that if Christian marriage was what God wanted for me, and when I say Christian marriage, I'm saying an opposite sex marriage uh, with an openness to the important kingdom work of raising children. That's what I'm talking about. Um, I knew Christian marriage was an option for me, um, but I also had read about the singleness of Jesus and Paul in scripture and, and what they had to say about uh, celibacy for the sake of the kingdom and I can't explain it any other way than you know I'm, I'm getting slightly charismatic here that the Holy Spirit urged me that I wasn't supposed to just go take what I wanted between Christian marriage and 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 singleness for the Lord that I was supposed to ask God whether he had a preference for which gift he was going to give mm -hmm. and that it would be better for me to receive from him whichever gift he wanted to give rather than demanding from him the gift that I wanted to get and so I discerned, I prayed over three years asking God, God, what do you want from me? Christian marriage with a woman? Or do you want me to step into what I see in scripture, Jesus and Paul talking about, which is a lifetime commitment to abstinent singleness for the sake of important, the kingdom work uh, with undivided attention. And I felt clarity from the Lord that I was called to shut the door on Christian uh, marriage with a woman. Um, not because that wasn't possible for me. It was possible for me but because that wasn't what God was calling me mm. to. Um, and instead embrace a life of, of singleness for the sake of the kingdom. Yeah, that's really beautifully said. Um, and I, I feel the same way. I still, like for me, um, I've gotten a lot of prophetic wordings and um, people have spoken over me that I will ultimately get married. And to me, I would love, I would love, love, love to have a family. I've always wanted children. And so um, if that happens, great news, you know, but if it doesn't happen, I, I think like being single for God is so exciting. <laughs> like, I think like it is, I don't know, to me, it's like, it's such a blessing to be completely fulfilled by him and be so totally dependent on him, um, where all of your burdens, everything is shared with him instead of maybe in a family dynamic, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think yep. marriage is so beautiful. Um, but yeah, well, I think maybe mm-hmm oh well i was gonna say i mean honestly a nuance for me is i i actually don't think i don't expect any more intimacy with god than my married friends are getting 
And I actually don't think that I need any less human intimacy than my married friends are getting. And I actually don't think that a commitment to singleness for the sake of the kingdom is a giving up of lived-in lifelong human family. I think it's a giving up of dating, romance, sex, and, and biological children. But I actually do think I still need human intimacy just like anyone else. And I don't think God's going to magically meet that in him alone. And, and I think I need some kind of lived-in, lifelong, permanent human family. And I'm actually kind of up the way that I felt feel like God's been leading me to find that is to basically start like a monastery in Nashville, which may sound crazy, but that's kind of my family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that is like discipleship, really, you know, like finding other people like you, teaching them and stuff like that. So, yeah, I can see that. That was very, and I agree with you as well, where it's um, like there's so many different factors and, and like accountability and people and mo- meeting emotional needs and stuff. So it's not just as simple as like, oh, you know, God becomes everything because he is everything, but he also mm-hmm. has tools for us. You know, yeah. he's he's taught us several things we can do for each other in order to meet those needs when he wants them to be met in that specific way. Um, all right. So, uh, yeah, I think that was interesting. All right. Moving to the next question. Um, do you believe biblically that homosexuality is a worse sin than other sins in the eyes of God? Hmm. Yeah, so I, well, first I'd say the word homosexuality is tricky because are we talking about people who participate in gay sex and gay romance regardless of sexual orientation? Yes, yes, yes. Or are we referring yes. to people who experience same-sex attraction? Yeah, definitely the ones who are giving into the homosexual, making it a practice for okay. themselves. Yeah, I mean, and even straight people, right, having gay sex. I mean, it, in actually yes. really common in the Greco-Roman world for people regardless of their sexual orientation for every man of power to be having sex with a younger boy. Yeah, um, any type of gay actually, sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, regardless of whether the person is gay or straight. Um, okay, so I'm, uh, so I do think. I mean, as I said before, I do think that, that that gay romance and gay sex are sins in any context. It's not. There's no context for that that God blesses in Scripture and says this is good for you, my children. Um, I don't think it's worse than any sin, uh, worse than any other sin in this way. I don't think. Uh, I think any sin, no matter how small is enough to mean we can't get to heaven on our own. I want to make that clear. Uh, and, and number two, um, I don't think there's any sin that after we've made Jesus our Lord and Savior, any sin that can keep us from him unless we renounce, denounce, reject Jesus ourselves. Um, now the question of like, does having gay sex does that make God more sad and does that hurt us more than if I lie to my mom about whether or not I made my bed, right? I think it's pretty clear that like God is more sad when I, if I, if I uh, engage in, in, in sexual intimacy outside of the context that God said was best for me, God's more sad about that than if I like tell a little white lie. And, yeah. and I think that in indulging in that sexual intimacy, connecting with someone only to be, then be torn apart from them um, and that not be in a context of, 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 a, of a lifelong marriage for the sake of the important kingdom work of raising kids and, 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 and embodying the gospel by having that differentness of male and female um, in, in that marriage, enjoying that outside of that. I, think that's, I don't think that's good for me. And I think that hurts me much more than telling a little white lie does. So... I think maybe that answers your question. Yes, for sure, man. Um, I like, and by the way, guys, if you're listening to something that Peter is saying, I just want to like put a disclaimer out there because sometimes I have people on my podcast with differenting opinions. <laughs> so not everything that Peter says, I'm in agreement with. That's why I have him on the podcast. So you guys can listen to him and you can come up with your own opinions. My opinions will be on the podcast where I am alone and talking about what I believe. So, but this is all about Peter and me asking him questions since he has these experiences. Um, so, okay, another question, just we're going to go through these because we have so many and I, it's awesome to hear you. Uh, do you think labeling homosexuality as a sin is wrong? I think the other question you probably answered that, but mm, like if, yeah, some, yeah. if someone were to come up to you and be like, oh, do you believe that homosexuality is a sin? Like, what would your response be? I think, I think leading with that, certainly with a stranger, may not be the best strategy. 
And, um, and if we look in the gospel, strategy actually really matters to Jesus. Um, when Jesus is talking to religious leaders with power, people of privilege, he tends to cut to the chase of, of convicting them pretty quickly. But when Jesus is talking to hurting people, people on the margins, people with uh, less advantages in our society, people who maybe have been mistreated by those in power, Jesus first leads with asking them questions. He first leads with meeting their, their immediate temporal needs. He first leads with soothing their pain. And then when he demonstrates love to them, then he kind of invites them after that, do you want more of that love? Do you want to find out what that love's really about? That's how Jesus does ministry. So, um, you know, there may come a time when it is easy to be gay in America, and it's easier to be gay in America than it is to be straight in America, but that time is not here yet. It's still very difficult to be a gay person in America. It certainly was hard for me to grow up uh, in the 90s and gay, and, and certainly was hard for, for generations older than me. So I think it's still true that if, we're, if you're trying to minister to, reach out to, love, care for someone who is gay, Christian or not, um, I, I think follow Jesus's strategy, the second strategy, strategy that I described there, of leading with compassion, of leading with um, uh, questions, leading with getting to know someone, leading with meeting their immediate needs, leading with soothing their pain, and then after you've demonstrated love to them, then inviting them, hey, do you want to get to know uh, this Jesus guy? Do you want to know where this love's really coming from? Yeah, that's so good because honestly, um, I think the approach that we use uh, for many, many years is just not working, you know? So mm -hmm. I think um, when I study the gospel as well, you're completely 100% right. Like that is what Jesus did is that he was strategic and analyzing, okay, what does this person need to hear in this moment? And I think being led by the Holy Spirit is so crucial. Um, that there is no right answer. You know, if someone were to come up to me and ask me the same question, like, do you believe that homosexuality is a sin? Um, I would just be like, are you asking me this because you genuinely want to know? Or are you asking me this because you want to harden your heart towards my answer or towards me? You know, um, and we have to be crucial, you know, not to throw our pearls to swine, you know, um, not to feed that, um, that, uh, I guess the haters, you would say, <laughs> contemporary terms, like not to feed into <laughs> that negative vibe, not to feed into the people who are not really open to listening either way, you know, be strategic and listen from the Holy Spirit. So yeah, I, I love that. Um, do you believe that a man can be in a relationship with God and still practice a homosexual relationship? Because I get that question mm -hmm. like a lot, like, People are like, well, I'm gay and I hear from God and I'm, I'm living, I feel like the best way that I possibly can live um, with the Lord. And I'm actively in a homosexual relationship and um, whether I identify straight or gay or whatever, like I feel like I can hear from God and I'm, we're on okay terms. What do you think about right. that? Yeah, so I don't think it's a light switch kind of thing. I don't think it's like God's like, oh, you're in a gay relationship, bye. And then, oh, you're out of that gay relationship. Okay, hey, what's up? Um, I don't think that's how God works. Nor do I think like, oh, there's this friendship and it's between two dudes, but it's not romantic and non-sexual. Ooh, this is great. This is life-giving. Oh, adding a little gay sex. Now it's all bad. Um, I don't think that's how it works either. Um, so I, I do think that the friendship is good. Non-romantic, non-sexual friendship is good. And so there's a lot of, of, of same-sex couples out there that part of their sexual and romantic relationship is also a friendship. And so, yeah, I'm not surprised when they, when there is some good in their relationship, when they're experiencing some kind of goodness about their relationship. I'm not surprised because some of their relationship is just healthy friendship. So that makes sense to me. Um, but listen, if, if we think a God exists, if we think that God knows better than us what is best for us. And if we think the way we know who that God is and how he thinks about this world and what's wise is the Bible, it's hard to draw any conclusion other than that, that, that gay sex and gay romance isn't God's best for us. Um, that, that I will experience more goodness, more blessing if I lean into the paths of blessing and goodness that God has created for his, for Christians, which is um, opposite sex uh, marriage between two Christians for the, for the sake of, uh, uh, with an openness to the important kingdom work of raising kids or a lifetime commitment to 
abstinent singleness for the sake of doing kingdom work with undivided attention. That's God's best for us. So it's it's not, if I'm talking to a gay person who's in a, 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 a same-sex partnership, I'm not saying every single aspect of your relationship with this person is evil. Um, what I'm saying is God has something even better for you. And my hunch is if what this relationship you're in became something non-romantic and non-sexual, but still intimate friendship like we see between uh, uh, um, um, uh, David and Jonathan. Paul, yeah, David and Jonathan and Paul and Timothy and Jesus and John. And instead of having you know romantic and sexual relationships with people of the same sex, you leaned into those two best paths God gave us as believers for, for honoring him with our bodies and, and, and collaborating with him to bring healing to this world. I think your life's going to be even better if you did that. That's really, really good. I love that answer. <laughs> um, which leads us into the next question. Um, because, for example, I get a lot of messages like that. It's like, you know, all these uh, guys who still follow me from my old past previous lifestyle. And they'll say, well, I hear from God. Um, is it like if I if I don't condemn or correct, am I condoning? Like, how do I because I personally know how to respond, but many people who are hearing don't know how to respond. Um, sure. if I don't correct or condemn, like, I'm like, okay, well, no, you need to know that this is the truth that like, you need to be out of this relationship. Or if I condemn them, you know, just be like, God is not going to love like that. You're living in sin. He's going to send you to hell. Mm -hmm. If I don't say those things, am I condoning this? Am I approving of this? Uh, if I just stay silent, like how, what's going on there in that situation? Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I don't think silence uh, necessarily means that you're you're condoning something. Again, I, I think we talked earlier about how Jesus is strategic in the Gospels about his ministry. Uh, you talked about um, having a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit about when's the right time to say what. Um, and I think that's. I think that's the answer. The answer here. Uh, you know, if this is a close friend, if this is someone who you've gone to church with for a while, or a Christian who has has asked you to hold them accountable, then yeah, I think we have a responsibility. To, to kind of call each other out when we're in sin. Uh, I think it's important that we don't treat this sin, the, the, the sin of you know gay sex, gay romance, any different than any other sin. So if you've been ignoring, if you've got a Christian friend who you're close to, but you've been ignoring other sin in their life, and then all of a sudden this is part of the ways that they're falling short of God's standard, and you're, you're all over them about this sin, that's yeah, a little off, right? I mean, why, why, why taking this one more seriously than the rest? So I think there's a consistency issue there that I challenge somebody on, because... It's easy for the on the receiving end of that to think, oh, so you're not really serious about sin, you just particularly hate gay people. Is an easy interpretation from that, and and if someone gets that vibe, that message, um, that's not going to lead them to Jesus. That's going to push them farther away from Jesus. Um, so yeah, listen to the Holy Spirit and and be consistent. Yeah, and that's so good because um, I think you mentioned accountability. Um, many times what I say or how I respond to people is not going to matter if I'm not in relationship with that individual and whether or not they ask me specifically to um, on, on what what my thoughts my real thoughts are about their specific relationship or whatever um, if I haven't developed that like in sales they call it rapport right if I haven't developed that relationship with that individual um, I'm not a mentor in their life. I'm not a leader in their life. They don't respect me um, from a biblical perspective or even maybe just from a, a, a friendship perspective. Then anything that I have to say or comment on their sin will not be received well, you know. Um, and so most times that's why it's so crucial to be like, okay, you know what? Before we get into that, like so many people like want to just go directly right there, you know, with the root of the issue or what they think is the issue, which is really not the issue. Um, I would say let's let's really you know dive deeper into our relationships. Um, let's let's dive deeper into whether or not you respect me enough to teach you on biblical terms. And like you said, let's not put a pedestal on sins. You know, uh, let's not say oh this sin of homosexuality has to be immediately dealt with, and then your sin of, of lying or your sin of um drug use or whatever um because technically everything if we know everything done outside of faith is a sin so everything we do outside of faith is a sin every single day we yeah. sin every day as christians so uh let's not try to just go immediately for that um the what i would say the uh, the yeah. fruits of unrighteousness um let's yeah. dig down a little bit deeper into the roots and there's, 
Yeah, I mean, there's and there's plenty of straight people in our churches who aren't taking what the Bible has to say about their sexuality seriously. Yes. Um, and are ignoring verses about unbiblical divorce and remarriage or ignoring verses about uh, marriage being a space to raise kids or ignoring uh, what is the clear implication of Scripture when it comes to kind of casual romance outside of, of marriage. Ignoring what the Bible has to say, uh, it's invitation to consider the singleness of Jesus and Paul. Um, a lot of the straight Christians I know aren't taking what the Bible has to say about sexuality seriously. So I yeah. encourage them to to take care of their side of the street first. And once that's clean, uh, they can come to my side of the street. Definitely, yes. I think there's, um, I, I don't know if I would say hypocrisy um, because I don't think anybody's like playing a part. I think genuinely people are just confused over this topic and mm. um, are failing to recognize, you know, certain biblical truths, um, and it comes from our society and from our cultural standards. Um, so, okay, the next question that I have is, um, do you believe that if I were to die um, in my unrepentant sin, like let's say, for example, I'm in a relationship with another man, but I have confessed Jesus, do you think that I would make it to heaven? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, so, I mean, how I understand salvation is that when we ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, we recognize our, our sinfulness and our need for a Savior. What we're inviting him to do is to pay for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And we receive the Holy Spirit, and the deal is done. You know, unless we uh, re clearly reject the Holy Spirit, reject Jesus, renounce our faith, um, you know, Scripture says that God is faithful to keep us in his hands. Um, and so I think regardless of what unrepentant sin we may die with, um, Jesus will welcome, will welcome us. Um, I think that so, so then someone might ask, well, then why not just sin all you want? Cause you know, you're still going to go to heaven. Well, cause sin still has consequences on this side of heaven. It still has temporal effects. And again, I don't think God just arbitrarily said, Ooh, gay sex looks fun. I'm going to call it bad. So my Christian uh, children have to prove to me they really love me. You know, I don't think that's what God did. I think God ordered this world perfectly, and then he gave us choice to choose to love him or not, because our love would mean more if we could choose it. And then eventually we chose not to love God. And then, and then sin entered the world, and it bent and broke everything about this world. And then God looked at the world again, in light of this bentness and this brokenness in all of creation. And he said, mm, you know, I can still see my order in here, but I can also see all the ways now things are off. And let me give you the scriptures. Um, and that was my dog. Sorry, she's making funny noises. Let me give <laughs> you the scriptures to clarify for you, in light of my order and the brokenness of this world, what things are good for you and what things will bring pain and destruction to you. So I say all that to say, um, I think it's it, it, why I would recommend repenting of, of our sins, regardless of what those sins are, and, 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 and resisting temptation in the future because I really think you'll have more goodness and beauty and joy and true pleasure in life if you follow God's wisdom. Yeah, and you know, that is a really difficult question um, to answer and I think you did a fantastic job. Um, if someone were to ask me the exact same question, I think at the end of the day, I'm not God. Um, you know, when I study the scriptures, there's so many different theological, you know, debates even on things like this. One saved, always saved, Arminianism, Calvinism, you know, all these different um, understandings of uh, what happens to someone if they are in the sin and they die in the sin, you know. Um, but I think uh, what what is the most important is for us to continually focus on, okay, if I am living for God and I have made that choice for me to live for God, um, every single day I'm going to strive towards that. And if I fail, then that's okay because he's the good shepherd, like he claims. I don't think he would be a very good shepherd if every time we fail or, or live against his will, you know, he literally says, I leave the 99 to go after the one. Um, I don't think that he would be a very good shepherd if he didn't run after us or complete that process because I think he completes everything that he starts. And so I, I, I would like to believe, <laughs> and I may correct this later on in the future, but I would like to believe that um, it really, like, he completes that uh, sanctification process. And mm -hmm. so I don't think that he would allow for someone to die in their sins just ab abruptly um, without completing the work that he started in, in that individual. Um, that would be just like a, 
a weird god we serve. Um, but who knows? You know, maybe my opinions might change later. Um, anyways, I think that's like I have one more question, and I think we should be done. So, um, I have a I have a lot of uh, uh, gay friends who hit me up and 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 ask me, um, and they tell me, you know can I find goodness outside of God? Like, can I, 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 this is maybe a little bit outside of the same sex attraction or gay thing, but can I just get into vibrations or produce some type of goodness and not accredit it to God? Um, like, can I have good outside of God? Because most people will direct that into their relationships as well. Like I'm in a, I'm in a homosexual relationship and I have goodness in my relationship. And you mentioned a little bit about, you may have some good qualities in there, but um, ultimately, will we have that same goodness, that God goodness, um, outside of him? Hmm. Well, okay, so we know that, like, anything that is good, God created it, uh, right? God created the world perfectly good, and then in light of the fall, everything's a little bit off. That doesn't mean that everything in the world is bad, um, but it does mean nothing in the world is perfect. But inherent in creation inherent in the way god made us in his image even though we've been corrupted by the fall there is still good in creation we are still capable of doing good inherent in what god made us to be so what that means is is that people can experience good in creation um even if they don't attribute it to god now ultimately god made that thing good right they no one can really experience anything good outside of God, like no one can conjure good on their own. No one can make good that God hasn't really himself made or made the formula for, you know what I'm saying, or put the potential in creation for. Um, and if I do some kind of good, if, if I kind of, if I, if I, um, you know, help a lady cross the street, um, even if I don't give Jesus credit, God credit for, for making me in his image to want to do good things, um, that's still the reality. Still, the reason why I'm able, why I have any motivation to serve anyone other than myself, is because I was made in God's image, and that's inherent in me. But I do think it's I do think it's true that like uh, uh, the best things come from God, right? Um, and and ultimately, eternal life only comes from God, and that's the best best thing. Um, and I think compared to eternal life really good sex or a really good cocktail or a really good cigarette or a job that makes $300,000 a year, those things are tiny. I mean, those things are meaningless compared to eternal life. And I don't think they're worth the trade. Um, now, I'm not saying that in order to get eternal life, you can enjoy nothing good and nothing pleasurable in this life. That's not true, right? Because there's, there's, also, it's, there's still goodness you know, in following God, God's wisdom. Um, so yeah, I think that's how to ask, answer the question of, can we experience good outside of God? God has made everything good and the best things, uh, only come from God. Yeah. I think we, we live in a fallen world where he established goodness at some point, exactly like you just said it, you worded it perfectly. Um, and so people can tap into that in this current moment because we're living in the midst of evil and then also good. We have the knowledge of both evil and good. So even if we don't accredit that good to God, um, he created it. It's there. It's established. Even if you want to recognize it or acknowledge that it's from him. Um, but that will one day end when finally he comes down and he brings the judgment and he does what he needs to do. Um, uh, right now we're living in that weird messed up fallen world, but he's going to come to correct that one day. And then that's where we will find that perfectness, that beautiful glorified bodies that will be given and stuff in that sort of um, way. But anyways, um, I just want to give you like a round of applause. <laughs> these are these are very hard questions, guys. And I'm so thankful to just if you haven't already, please, please, please go check out equip your community. It is guys like how I said, it can sometimes come off as um, maybe a little bit. Um, I don't know what's the word to use like a little bit more free um, from the um, usual perspective that we would normally see from Christians. Um, there's a lot more empathy. There's a lot more patience. There's a lot more um, room for interpretation. And I think they do that deliberately, um, but their message is just beautiful. And when I, when I found um, Equip Your Community, I believe that's um, what it's called on Instagram. I'll link all that stuff down below. I was like, this yeah. is a beautiful message. And um, they're doing really beautiful work here. 
um, we may have different approaches. Like I'm very different in my approach than Peter's in his approach. I have not had nearly the amount of studies and education like him. And I'm like, focused on a different generation and he's focused on um, parents and uh, ministry leaders and so of course we're going to have different approach and we're going to be doing different things but guys please go check out the resources that they're doing a lot of times i get so many messages of people who are asking me um oh ab about all of these questions that we just finished talking about and they're like yeah. do you know where i could go do you know where i can get some type of help and resource like Go check them out. Go check their page. You know, um, add Peter on Instagram or whatever. <laughs> um, I think you will be pleasantly surprised with the work that they are producing. Um, and yeah, or, or if you don't want to, you know, don't do it. <laughs> uh, but anyways, I'm so thankful to have you on, um, Peter. And yeah, I just want to continue to encourage you that I think you are doing a fantastic job and you really are going to be reaching certain lives that are just would never hear the gospel would never experience the love of god had it not been for a ministry like you and i think you're pointing them into a really really great direction oh thank you so much i mean thank and thank you for like letting me be a part of this podcast and, and having this conversation these are important questions uh and ultimately like we want everyone to know jesus right and and yeah, yeah there's there's multiple strategies for how how to do do that well and, and i just pray that we're we're all faithful to to the the particular work that God is calling us to. For sure, exactly. Guys, we have to be, and we have to understand that we are not in war towards one another. We are not like, as the body of Christ, things are gonna look different. A hand is gonna look very different than a feet, and a nose is gonna look different than a lip, you know? Um, and so don't necessarily push aside um, the things that maybe are confusing to you or um, different than ministries around you or the way that you've grown up. Um, embrace it, you know, um, see the good parts that are in there, um, look deeper and see, okay, how can I pray for this ministry? How can I support this ministry um, biblically or, or whatever? Um, I think we need to, we really need a lot more of togetherness, especially as the body of Christ is for the world to recognize, oh, I want to be a part of this. These people genuinely love each other and they're trying to do good works. Um, so yeah, from my audience to his audience, it's going to be interesting for us to, um, to pray for one another and to encourage one another because we have one goal which is to know jesus and to let everybody else also get to have a relationship with jesus but anyways guys this podcast has gone on long enough thank you so much for tuning in and for joining us throughout the whole episode if you made it all the way to the end <laughs> um uh, so we'll see you around next time guys peace out Bye.